Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Comics Experience Make Comics podcast, a show where we talk about the nuts and bolts of making comics. I'm Joey Gro, and today I'm uh, excited to talk with Philip Kennedy Johnson, who, if you're listening now, uh, go to comicsexperience.com and check out Philip's master seminar, which we're going to be talking about. He's going uh, to talk about going from pitch to first issue script, uh, which is awesome. So uh, later on in July, you get to spend uh, the Saturday with Philip and Andy Schmidt talking comics and making comics, and that's on July 31st. So again, go to comicsexperience.com. Go click on that while we're talking. If you're not familiar with Philip's work, uh, currently you can read him writing Superman, a- Alien, uh, one of my personal favorites of recent memory was your Marvel Zombies Resurrection, which I don't even think we talked about. I first knew Philip's work from his creator-owned stuff, which you can get uh, a, a number of comics through Boom. You can still find Lost Boys of the U-Boat Bremen online, which I believe is the first thing of yours that, that I ever read. You had The Last God at DC, which is your 12-issue maxi-series, which, uh, I mean, talk about gorgeous art. If you haven't read The Last God, you can just go pick it up for the art alone. I mean, it's great, but the story is is terrific also. So, uh, Philip, thanks for doing this and making the time, number one. Uh, we, we could just talk about all the comics that you've written so far that I enjoy, but uh, I know that's that's not our purpose here <laughs> as far as you coming on. So we can get into talking about uh, what some uh, some things that folks can expect in the Master Seminar and then get a little bit more into uh, maybe some, some pitching information that might be good for, for folks listening. Man, Joey, thanks for all the kind words, man. That's what, what an intro. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I feel like the times where I actually know folks a little bit, I feel like I can, I can expound a little bit more, so I can well, be. <laughs> I, I appreciate. It. I'm extremely humbled. It's good to, oh, good to no worries. talk to you again, dude. It's been way too long, and I'm happy to be on here. Well, I, I think, um, you know, you and I got to know each other. Uh, one of those people that I've actually met in person a number of times, or talked to in person a number of times, and then uh, online over the years, but. Uh, Last Sons of America uh, was, I believe, the first thing that that I knew of yours, creator own that was being launched through Boom. And then you, you know, just kind of watching your progression uh, over time has been great because you've done, you know, lots of different uh, kind of genre work in in different with different publishers in different ways. And now a lot of what you're doing is work for hire. And, you know, frankly, are, are titles that, you know, have a lot of eyeballs on them, especially with properties like Superman and Alien. So I don't know, maybe talk a little bit about um, what folks can expect in the master seminar. And then I, I kind of want to jump on that of sort of your trajectory of, you know, starting out and where you you feel like you are now as far as, you know, what you've learned. And you know, obviously with any skill, when you, it's new to you, you're learning so much and you can have those kind of epic moments of like, I just leveled up and learned so much because you're, you know, you're getting into it. And then, you know, over time you, you've honed that and, and, you know, maybe you, you're, you, you're not necessarily looking forward the same way, but you, where you exist in that moment, you're like, now I know what to, you know, I can knock this out and knock this out and knock this out. Not that, you know, that's the, the creative, you know, you're not phoning it in, but you've learned so many of those skills that, you know, you can bring to bear on on the stuff that might have taken you longer ahead of time. You can approach the script differently, approach, you know, pitching differently, or maybe you can't. Maybe it's all a different animal depending on, you know, the who and the what. So I'll stop talking and let you talk about it. Yeah, man. Well, thanks. I, um, yeah, man, it's so cool to be on this. I So I was, you know, as you know, because I met you through this, I think I was in, I was in comics experience back in the day. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first book I'd written, excuse me, the first book I'd read on how to make comics was the Insider's Guide to Creating Comics and Graphic Novels that that Andy Schmidt wrote. Nice. 
Um, yeah, and for I mean, probably our listeners know, but Andy is the founder of Comics Experience, and <clears throat> I found the site after I'd found that book. That book was super helpful, and um, I always really loved how um, I loved the workshopping aspect of the site. How you could you know give feedback to other writers and you know artists or whatever and they and they would give you feedback as well i just found that super useful even after i'd already kind of you know quote unquote broken in i still kept i, I still stayed on ce for a while and um and just kept workshopping with other people because i really enjoyed it and thought it was really useful um and i yeah over the years i have learned some things and st- things i'd wish i'd known then and i'm really grateful for the opportunity to pass that stuff on here um one of the first, one of the things I remember most distinctly. So, okay, the the name of this seminar is "From Pitch to First Issue Script." I think is the name of the seminar. Right. Um, we talked about doing a world building thing because people approach me a lot about world building because that's something I'm kind of getting a rep for because the, the a lot of the books I do tend to be kind of heavy on world building. But I mean, there was another. I think you guys did another seminar kind of like that not so long ago, and we talked about some different things that we might do. And another thing I thought would be really helpful, especially for. Um, like early writers or students of writing is just taking an idea and making it into a thing. I mean, there are so many aspiring writers or, or writers who are just getting started who have an idea, sometimes just like the, the most raw of concepts, right? And in, in their heart of hearts, they consider themselves a writer because to them that idea is real. Mm-hmm. Like it, it exists in their mind. And they, they think about it all the time. They're fleshing out the details in their mind and they kind of feel it taking shape and they're making a story. Uh, maybe they've even written down a bunch of stuff or made some character designs, but so often there's not there's not really any story. There's not really a narrative on paper yet, mm-hmm. or in a, in a computer file, or or anywhere except in their own mind. And until you write it down and revise it and revise it and revise it, I mean, and finish it and revise it, I mean, um, until then it doesn't really exist to anyone but you. Um, and it's kind of not real in a way. And it's writing it down makes it real, even if it sucks at first. <laughs> Um, and I mean, even, you know, just having that, that first draft is so crucial. And I'm hopeful that this class helps to turn some aspiring writers into actual writers who, who have, have done things and, and made real scripts and have, have real stories under their belt is that that is by far the hardest step is going from that idea to actually making the thing and not, not the, not just the beginning of the thing. That's the exciting part. Like when you're first writing it down. It's like so it's the most exciting part of the whole process. You're, you're going from nothing to something, you know, it's like, yeah, this is real. And then the whole middle section of writing is work, right? Where you're getting it, just this idea and making it not just an idea, but making it really work and getting all the pieces there. And then there's that exciting part at the end where you're finishing it. But that middle part is hard and most people don't get through that. So um, that from pitch to first issue script is a, an idea that I thought would be super duper helpful. And, um, I'm really excited to, to bring that to, to CE. Um, as far as things that, yes, like you're talking about things I've learned since the, since we started doing this stuff. Yeah. And, um, I think a lot more about form than I used to, mm. uh, form is a, is a framework for the whole story. That was that skeleton that helps, helps the writer at least understand the, the macro aspects of the story. Um, and it helps us not get so lost in the minutia of it right. that, we, that we lose sight of the big picture, you know, like the, the deeper meaning of the story, the reason we're telling the story, like what it's there for, and not just writing down a sequence of events, but actually it helps you to tell, it helps me at least tell a story that matters. It helps me uh, remember the point of, of what the story is and not just 
this happened and this happened and this happened. If I, I, I can't just start from the beginning and write to the end. Like right. for me, there's no, there's no form to it when I do that. And it's just, you're just kind of, you know, making stuff up and it's not the same as, as, you know, telling something that matters to me. So form has become more important to me as I've gotten older. Um, the other thing that, that I, uh, that strikes me and think thinking about the things I've learned over the years. Like when I was first, when I did my first story for a publisher, um, it took me a couple of, like I was only doing, you know, it's my first story. So I'm only doing one book at a time then. It's just the one, just the one book. And it would take me like, usually uh, my deadline for the next trip would be probably about two weeks, um, at least two or three weeks. And I would use every bit of that mm-hmm. to, to do that next script. Um, and I felt like I needed all that time. And I would still turn it in like the very end of that day, you know, or sometimes the following morning, like, Oh, I just, I got to make it perfect. <laughs> and, um, it, um, yeah, I just, I, I remember thinking, man, some of these people are doing like three or four books at once. Like, how does that even work? Like, how would you possibly do that? Um, and now I'm doing three or four books at once pretty much all the time. And I, it's, I've really had to get more efficient because at the time I was just, I would, I would, I would just obsess over every little detail, every word of dialogue, right from the right from the jump. Right as soon as I started writing, I was focusing on details and making sure the dialogue was really singing and just really be art, make really articulate in every little thing, uh, even from just page one. Um, and it just took forever. <laughs> it was it was really it was really <laughs> hard to get through it that way. And I would just. And I, yeah, I would write and rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. Um, and I would get it to a place where I was really happy with, but and get the process of getting it there was so inefficient. And now my process is so completely different. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to, you know, I don't, I don't know how many, how, how many writers are going to go watch this class that do what I did. Hopefully they're better at it than me already. But if they were doing that same approach where they're, they're really, you know, they're, they're cutting the whole ice sculpture with a scalpel the whole time. <laughs> um, that's, that's what we're going to address. Like it's, I've learned the importance of starting with the chainsaw, you know, just start with the broad clumsy strokes and then getting a little more into details as we go along and then really getting nitty gritty towards the end. That is what helps me to get out of script in five days now. Like that's, that's absolutely key is to, um, start, you know, start, I, you know, I start with, just the pitch into a longer pitch into the synopsis, turn that into the synopsis, into the page breakdowns, into the rough script, into the working script, into the polished script. Like I, I don't, I don't write beginning to end. I, I, I write, like I kind of flesh out every sentence, like every sentence becomes a page and then mm. it becomes three pages. And then, you know, all the dialogue kind of appears like a, like a tree, you know, not like a, not a scroll that's un, unrolling, <laughs> you know? No, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we're going to, the people who watch this um, seminar are going to see that whole process. They're going to see, I, I've got some pitches right now that I'm fleshing out for my own purposes, like some creator own stuff. And I'm really excited to get out there. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of taking note of what I'm doing now to turn that, you know, elevator pitch of like literally like a 35 word log line into uh, you know, a 22 page script. Um, so you're going to see that whole, that whole process. And I'm really excited to get that out there. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a, a lot of, directions we could go with with what you just broke down but i think you know that uh, jumping off of what you said about the log line you know for me um learning to 
whatever kind of writing, but especially creative writing, simplify the concept down to just a few words to be able to communicate that to somebody. And especially in the arena that you're working in uh, with a, a DC machine and a Marvel machine, uh, which have editors, which have artists, which have colorists, which have letterers, and then sales, marketing, you know, there's so many different folks that I'm sure at different points in the process need to have an understanding of what the thing is and being able to clearly communicate that to them and understand what detail they need or what detail they don't need. You know, is it big picture? Is it general? Um, you know, I know that 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 can be a soft skill that you you pick up along the way as well of, of how do I communicate with the right people at the right time about you know, what keeps this machine humming? And, and like you said, you know, you're, you refine this to this five-day process, which, you know, it's a monthly comic. It's shipping monthly. This is how this works. <laughs> it's a, you know, there, there, it becomes a math problem in, in a couple of ways, uh, which, you know, I think for creative folks, you don't always want the math problem. You don't always want the milestones for delivery and, <laughs> and for getting stuff done. But you also mentioned your first comic and how long you'd spend kind of with that detail. And I don't know that that's uncommon either, starting off in any kind of creative endeavor where you really do want to understand and, you know, go through that that learning process to to figure out how to, to start the chainsaw to, to get to where you are. Uh, I did want to expand a little bit on what you talked about on the drafting side. If It sounds like you're going through multiple drafts that aren't all happening at the same time now. Uh, or might be happening a little more at the same time. Uh, is there a general kind of way that you, you know, you're like, yeah, I usually hit three drafts and it's kind of what you described already, or has that uh, changed or does that change depending on the, the book and the folks you're working with? Well, I mean, usually by the time, by the time that I send the script in, um, it's already pretty much been, been polished up to the point. I mean, honestly um, with big two stuff, there's, it tends to, it's a pretty fast moving machine. And sometimes the, usually the notes I get back are pretty minimal. And, um, and sometimes there's just not much time anyway. So right. I mean, by, by the time they see the script, they want it to be ready. Right. Um, there's not time for revision. Um, that's, that's not, well, okay. That's not entirely the case. Like if, if something's important, they'll, they'll address it, but, um, there's not time for like a rewrite, you know, it's, it needs to be, it needs to be pretty damn good by the time it gets turned in. Right. So when I'm talking about rough draft, working draft, uh, polished draft, those are, um, I just mean, when I, when I say rough draft, I mean like super rough, like not, something that I would never show the actual artist. Sure. Uh, just basically I, um, I go through all the scenes and I have to know, so, you know, comics are a marriage of art and language, right? And in the early stages, I, I try to figure out which scenes should should revolve more around the art and which one should revolve more around the language. And so I, I go through and I, um, I'll either write the choreography for the action scenes. Like, I mean, not always super detailed. I'm leaving a lot of that to the artist. Sure. The, the basic, basic, basic action beats or ideas for the layout or anything that might help the artist. You know, where do we start the action scene? Where do we end it? what kind of beats need to be in there, you know, any kind of direction I can give the artist without micromanaging him. Cause I don't want to do his job for him. <laughs> um, and, um, and then which ones revolve around dialogue, which ones are like language driven. And then I, I write those all out. So usually I'll write those scenes just in these chunks that don't connect to the rest of it. I'll, I'll, I'll write the, the, this big conversation for the scene between these characters and almost invariably it'll be too long. And then I'll go, I'll go through and I'll find a way to make it sure so it'll fit the time, the space allotted on the page. 
Um, and then that, that becomes the framework for that scene. And then I'll, I'll build the visuals around that conversation in a way that serves the, the language for the action scenes. There still needs to be character development, just like there is, just like there is in the, in the, um, the dialogue. But, um, so I'll decide, you know, where does the scene need to begin? What needs to happen by the end? Um, how does it inform or develop the character during this fight or whatever's happening? Um, and I flesh out those scenes. So usually it starts out with either the action fleshed out or the language fleshed out, but not usually both. So I put those in there. And by the end of that, that is the very roughest of scripts where there's, there's conversation, there's fighting, uh, the, the most basic thing that these scenes need, they're there. And then I'll go through again and I'll marry them up with whatever's missing and, um, start to tie it all together. So that's what I mean by rough script. I mean, like rough as hell. Yeah, sure. It's <laughs> some, something to get, make sure there's something on every page. And then I'll go through and I'll read that super rough version, the chainsaw version, and see uh, how the pacing works. Because I have to kind of step away from it. I'll step away. I'll do workout or something. Or if it's you know the end of the night, I'll go to bed, wake up, and I'll look over it and see what I've done and see what's working, what's not working with what we have so far. And then I give it a lot. And then I go over it again with, you know, a more, you know, a finer tool and um, add all the dialogue where there is none, add all the choreography or the panel direction where there is none, make sure there's something on every page that needs, you know, a, a, a version of the script that the artist could see if, it, if I was, you know, if I was ready. Um, and then again, settle aside for a minute, do something else, come back to it, read it again with fresh eyes see what it needs and then polish it and then like, give it everything else that I feel like it needs. And if I'm starting from a solid outline that I'm very happy with, um, usually I'll end up with a pretty good script by the end of all that. I know there are very talented writers, sometimes very, you know, fam I mean, even Stephen King, like this, you know, world famous author. Um, I want to say he does not outline if I remember right. I have not, I haven't read on writing his writing book for quite a while, but I want to say he doesn't out, he doesn't like to outline. I believe you are correct. I believe he writes it and puts it in a drawer for three months was the number from the book. I don't recall. It's been years. It, yeah, it, it's, I should read it again. It's an awesome book. If you haven't read it, check it out. It is, it's called on writing and about a third, fourth of the way through, he gets hit by a, by a van. And it's interesting yeah. to read that change. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Talk, yeah, he talks about that uh, about that experience, like he talks about it in a lot of his books. Um, but a ter terrific book. Yeah, totally. But um, and I see Tarantino actually also does not outline, which I didn't know until recently. Oh, interesting. And which blows my as a comic writer that blows my mind because I mean outline to not know where you're going to end up when you start a series is just insane. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, I mean, you you've got to know where you're going if you've got a a number a specific number of issues specific number of pages per issue you've got to know where you've got to know what kind of cliffhanger you're leaving each issue on um so for a comics writer i feel like outline is a must i'm sure there are i'm, I'm sure there are extremely capable writers out there who do not outline but to me i can't imagine that because i you know to know that you're going to write this story that is going to end at four issues or six issues or whatever the publisher has given you <laughs> and you know that the page limit in every one of them you've got to know where you're going to be by each page 22 you know or 20 or whatever it is um so yeah it's got to start with that outline and then you you know you chainsaw it out and then you do finer tools and then you really get get uh, picky at the end um and if you're sticking to your outline roughly I, mean, I never stick to it exactly 
but it's got to be there's got to be some kind of a framework that I that I depart from. You know, it'll it'll mm. always 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 change over the course of writing. I'm not saying you got to stick to it. I don't think you even should. I mean, the, the characters always surprise you, or you think of some cooler way to doing something, or you know, there's always changes, or you can't fit it into the issue. You know, and then you've got to go back and find a way to to cut out four pages, and you do that by eliminating some some beat. You know, right. So things will always change, but you've got to start from uh, a place of knowledge and, um, and then, um, yeah, develop it as you go. Yeah. Just I, like you said, just beats alone. You, it's, it's, it seems like that is a necessity. Well, I, I would, I don't want to give, uh, I, I'm going to shift gears and I'm sure you, you're probably bored of ask, uh, being asked this, but I'm going to ask it. Do you have a favorite movie in the alien franchise? Oh man. Um, I'm so attached to all but one of them. <laughs> all but one of them. Yeah. So now you have to guess which one it is. Out of Alien, wait, over the full run? Yeah. yeah no, we, okay. The AVP stuff, I don't count. We can't count that. Oh, gosh. Uh, the last, well, are you, we're including Prometheus and Covenant? Of course. Oh, my gosh. Which, which <laughs> all right. One? It's Resurrection. I can't deal with Resurrection. Interesting. Yeah, I can't get through it. Um, it's, but, it's got such a weird ending, but there's so many little weird moments yeah. in that are positive weird moments. Yeah. I just, I just can't deal with it. And I'm, I'm also <laughs> pretty, pretty good about not shitting on other people's work, but I, I just can't deal with that movie. I, um, there are some very cool visual moments. Like the, the thing with the alien swimming is very iconic and kind of pretty. Yeah. Yep. The, um, leaning <clears> back <throat> and firing backwards and yeah, there's cool things in it. Basketball um, shot. And, yeah. There's, yeah, exactly. There's cool stuff in it. And the, the, the image of the, the lab where the other, the earlier versions of Ripley are is very haunting and there's, yeah. there's you know, it's very memorable in some spots, but overall I can't do it. The, it it but, does, it does not quite land. Um, if I had to choose one, I really like Prometheus and a lot of people don't. I think Prometheus is great. That's not my choice. Interesting. I, I pick, if I had to pick one, I would say alien, I guess the first one. I, I rewatched it not two weeks ago. Man, it's good. It's and I, so good. I can't, I can't remember having. I don't remember having not seen it. <laughs> you know, like I don't remember the time <laughs> when, when I hadn't seen that movie. But I, uh, I saw it. When I was way too young. I don't remember. I don't know how old. I, I saw it way too young. Also, do you remember the format? Was it on TV or did you rent it? Because I I'm, rented no, it. I'm sure it was on TV. I was in a pretty, pretty media-less world as a kid. I, we didn't watch much, and we didn't. Like, there was no music in the house to speak of, and. Um, We'd rented stuff sometimes, but I can't imagine my parents renting that movie. It would have been on TV for certain. Yeah, we. I found out later it was regional. It was a video, um, I think VCD, video cassette disc, not laser disc, but wow, okay. it was a platter that 60 minutes in, you'd have to flip over to the other side so it could be read. So I, I believe oh, they were wow. may, maybe in the South or the East Coast is where they were more prevalent. But yeah, my, he loves Star Wars. Let's get Alien. And I, I remember eating macaroni and watching it, you know, sitting oh, in the den nice. floor. And yeah, that's it's too funny. I wonder how many other kids watched Alien too young. Man, I yeah, I can't imagine seeing. I can't imagine not knowing that that chestburster scene was coming. Now, but just, <laughs> just but just imagine though, like the first time ever seeing it, and you're getting your mind blown every ten minutes for a while. Like you you see the derelict for the first time. Just all of it. The, you see the space jockey. And you're like, what the hell is this? And it looked so crazy. Like the, it just looked so alien and Giger-esque, like the, the yep, artist who yep. designed the whole thing. And 
and then the eggs and one of them opens and then you see him back in the ship with the thing on his face and then you, it tightens and there's all these things like everything you see is so mind-blowing just over and over and then like the the chestburster scene and then you see the thing grown up and and none of them can escape. So, of course, you're like, well, she's not going to escape. This is it. She's not, you know, this isn't Star Wars. There's not laser guns. This is yeah. like, this is somebody, you know, at the time, I'm sure I didn't articulate, like, it's space truckers. There's no way. Well, how is she yeah. going to survive? No, it's insane. I got just so many amazing ideas, just one after the other, just every, just blowing your mind over and over throughout that movie. And then, and then Ash, the thing with Ash and his head coming off, like, what? There's robots? In the, I didn't even know. You know, the whole thing is just so incredible um i mean it's like as far as the emotional beats and everything and the world building well not the world building maybe but uh just the story the narrative of it you've got to say that aliens the second one is stronger i guess um but as far as the world building and just the the visual style of it and the horror of it i mean that first one is just unparalleled so if I had to pick one, I guess I'd go with the first one. Go but with the I, first one. I really admire two and three, and I really love Prometheus and Covenant too. I think they're all terrific. They're all different. I, I saw Prometheus in the theater, and I, I did not see Covenant in the theater. Uh, but, you know, it was just so visually stunning. Like it was one of those where I, I don't know. I'm not quite on board on the story. It was one of those that didn't land for me. Oh, man. I uh, loved it. But just so visually great. And yeah. just such a, a neat thing to watch. And, you know, the, at the end of the day, Ridley Scott is always going to at least be visually interesting. Whatever else I might think of, whatever movies he's made. Uh, and he's made a lot of movies that I love. Uh, but yeah. It's, no, uh, I, I feel I love that they that they, they worked more Giger into it. Like there, there was stuff there. From, there's like um, there's concept stuff from from Dune, sort of, that made it into Prometheus. That that uh, the look of the building that they go into. Oh, interesting! I didn't know that. Yeah, there's there's more Giger stuff in there that I. It was so cool to see that it, the movie felt like Alien, like it really did. And um, and in a way, it's all there are aspects of it that's almost like a deeper, more meaningful remake of the original. Like there are mm -hmm. a lot of aspects of the original is kind of redone, sort of. Sure. Um, that I admired uh, just to. But with all this extra meditative stuff about the origin of life and right. humanity's, you know, quest for meaning and uh, the relationship between man and technology and between man and our creators and our creators and, and technology. And like it's I don't know, there's just so much depth to it that uh, not all the movies have. And then and then Covenant was I mean, it's just a lot of, you know, return to its, the horror roots again. I don't know. I, I love all of these movies. I don't, I don't like resurrection, but I, <laughs> in, in my mind, uh, alien three was just the, the perfect ending for Ripley's arc. And I kind of don't acknowledge four, four feels like fanfic to me. <laughs> it three is, is certainly interesting uh, as far as, you know, that, I, I, I think that might've been the first one I actually saw in the theater. Oh, wow. Cause okay. I don't, I, well, actually, yeah, I guess. I, I don't think I saw aliens in the theater. Cause I think. I would have been a little too young, maybe. Yeah, I'm. I'm embarrassed to admit. I think Prometheus might have been the first one for me in the theater. Nice. Because nice. I was in, again. I was out in the sticks, and I when Alien Three <laughs> came out, I don't think I saw Alien Three until we might have rented it, but I it might have been on TV also. Nice. Well, I remember uh, Aliens had that TV cut where they had the um, in the the scene where the aliens are swarming them. They have those guns that are um, those automated guns. So right. when you watch the movie later, like on 
on DVD or VHS, you're like, where are the guns? Because you remembered so much of it because it was that thing. It's like, it was on TV. <laughs> See, that's so, all I remember because right? it's in the the automated rifles are in the um, director's cut also. So they're in the director's cut, but not, I don't think they were in what whatever we got, you know. I think they were not in the theatrical cut, if I recall. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Because I remember we saw that and then later on it would be in, in cuts and it would not be there. And it would be one of those weird things that you talk about with people that, you know, your friends that also obsessed over aliens going, it's not yes. here. What? See, people talk about that, but I've never actually, I don't think I've ever seen it without those guns. Because I've, I uh, growing up, I, I only saw aliens on TV. Interesting. And, and then when I went to college, I had this good friend who was uh, this huge movie guy. And I'd never, you know, I, I'd only ever seen movies in shit formats on shit TVs. Right, right. And didn't know anything. And like, I'm suddenly I'm watching DVDs for the first time, <laughs> not, and not VHS tapes. And they're in, I'm seeing like, like commentary tracks. Right. And, and director's cut stuff and deleted scenes. I'm like, what is this magic? Like I was so blown away by all of it. I'm like, holy crap, you can hear these guys talk about it as the movie's playing. And I was just so blown away by all that. And that's, I mean, we watched the director's cut and I don't think I've ever seen, I'm not sure I've ever seen the theatrical cut ever. Um, I just really love that version. I guess now that I say that, I guess I got to go back and watch that other version. <laughs> and I, I wonder what's floating around too on streaming. Cause I feel like it's the theatrical cut. Cause I feel like that's become my, my default. Cause I, so. I can't walk to the other room and put a DVD in or a Blu-ray in and then push play. That's, that's too much. I can stream yeah. it here on my iPad. I get laughed at. No, yeah, I've got the, I've got the Blu-ray set and I, um, I always go, I don't know. I just, de I just default go for director's cut stuff usually. Uh, that, I think that, yeah, it's, it's hard not, it's hard to argue with that, especially with Ridley Scott. I mean, there's, oh, God. you I get throw, throw in a Blade Runner and then how many of those different, uh, different holes can you go down? <laughs> so, so many and, and change so much. Yeah. Well, I, I will wait for the, the last God, uh, commentary track. Cause I think that, uh, you, I know you've at least released some music with that. If folks aren't familiar with your, uh, DC black label, uh, yeah, the last yeah. God, go go check that out because Philip has also composed and performed music for it, which is great. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, check out my YouTube channel. That's my full name, and uh, or you can just look up the Last God, and some you'll find some find some tracks. We did we made trailers for the first three issues of the book, and they're all up there with with music from those issues. Uh, that's well, that's terrific, and uh, I appreciate you indulging me a little bit at the end to get uh, way off track, and I won't I won't keep going off track, which I could uh, easily do. Well, uh, where should folks find you online? Where's a good place? Where are the places to look for you? Um, you can find me at my website at philipkennedyjohnson.com, Philip with two L's, and um, my stuff is on there. You can also find me on Facebook under my full name, at Twitter at Philip K Johnson. I'm at Instagram at um, Philip underscore Kennedy underscore Johnson. And yeah, I'm all over. So look me up. And currently on the stand, uh, find you a alien. And I'm going to again plug Marvel Zombies Resurrection, which I know is a little bit ago, but I really enjoyed. It was one of those where, you know, I, I've always liked the Marvel Zombie stuff, but I, I really liked what you did with it and where you took that. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. I'm very proud of that series. Um, yeah, I love that book. It was really, it was a pleasure to do, um, stuff that's on shelves now. Let's see around that same time. Let's see last year, last God in kill a man came out from aftershock. Um, on, um, on shelves now I've got alien number five is about to come out. Um, action comics, I think 1033, I believe is about to come out and action comics. Um, uh, my last, the last month's issue of Superman was mine as well. 
Um, I've got an issue of Red Sonia, Black, White, and Red coming out in a couple of months. Um, absolute, excuse me, Extreme Carnage Alpha number one is out right now, and Extreme Carnage Omega will be coming out in a couple of months. Gosh, what else? There's a couple other things I can't announce yet that are coming out from the big two, and um, hopefully the things that I'm pitching, <laughs> that I'm, <laughs> I'm referring to for this this seminar, will be coming out hopefully late this year and early next year. So we'll see how that goes. So show up to the seminar. Uh, it's coming up again. You can go to comicsexperience.com. Uh, July 31st is the date and it starts at 10 in the morning Eastern time. And you get to hang out with Philip and Andy all day, which is if you can't do it in person, it's great to do virtually. And, and they have a, a ton of insight and a ton of experience to talk through pitching. And, and I'm sure you'll you answer questions as you go and, and talk to the folks that are there. And, and it's, it's so insightful to get feedback you know, in general, but especially from folks like Philip and Andy that have have done this and are doing this, and, and they are there to answer your questions and to help you get to that next step. Which, you know, you talked about workshopping earlier. It's really great to be in an environment that, and and obviously we're plugging comics experience, but if you, wherever you can find that environment where folks are are all working towards the same goals. You know, you're not always trying to. Nobody's trying to write the same comic necessarily, but you're all trying to you know lift each other up or learn from each other and. It's, it's great to find that supportive community to go in and, and have those conversations where you're like, this is the thing I'm trying to say. And Philip can hear you describe it and go, oh, it sounds like you're and you know, just a little bit of somebody twisting that that key is sometimes enough to unlock everything else. And you start to see the matrix code and go, oh, this is what I'm doing wrong or I should lean more into this. And you're just it's I think a lot of times for creative folks, it can be a little hard to be interactive because they might not like my thing. And sometimes that translates to they don't like me and i think you know <laughs> right. con- i'm worthless yeah. <laughs> Construct- yeah, totally. con- constructive I'm- criticism is so different right man i'm so yeah i love that whole the whole community at ce i think the whole thing is just such a great idea and i, I love that it exists and it was so helpful to me and it's an honor to be able to do the seminar now and i can't wait to interact with students and talk about their thing and yeah I, i'm super stoked so Please check out the seminar. I'm really excited. I um I'm a teacher at heart, like all my family is teachers, and I I'm a teacher myself, and I just love doing this. So nice. Please come check it out. I will definitely make it worth your while. Well, go go over to comicsexperience.com, look it up, and check out Philip's uh, work if you haven't before. Check him out on social media. That's free. You can do that anytime. Uh, and I, I know you talk about a variety of things, including making comics. If you have a question you want to hear talked about on the show, email info at comicsexperience.com. We'll talk about it on the show. Philip, thanks again. This was really great to, to chat with you, and I appreciate you indulging me and in, uh, going down some some different roads. Yeah, Joey, man, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure, and I uh, look forward to seeing you around at the con soon. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep making comics. <laughs> <laughs>